Okay, test, test, test. That looks good. Testing, one, two, three. Yep, looks good. Chris, can you say a few words? Oh, yeah, sorry. I didn't know if it was mine time to say a few words. Yeah, we don't do sound checks. We just hit record and go. Hi, everyone. I'm Kate, the host and producer of PodRocket, and this is PodRocket FS Jam Mashup. I'm here with Anthony and Chris. Hi, guys. Hello, hello. Hi. How's it going? It's going great. Really happy to be doing this with you. This was originally my idea, and so I'm really glad you were into it and wanted to do it. I'm such a huge fan of the show and really wanted to get together and just talk about, you know, podcasting and life and whatnot and all the good stuff. All the good stuff. And I've just turned up like usual and talk like a crazy man. If you guys just introduce yourselves, I, I mean, I, I listen to Evis Jam, but uh, just for Pod Rocket listeners, maybe who don't. Yeah, absolutely. I am also host and I would say probably producers a good term. I edit the episodes and tend to reach out to guests. It's uh, not a completely like, you know, one to zero split, but there's definitely, I would say I probably spend more time kind of on the back end doing logistical stuff. And I'm just so passionate about this thing. It's really kind of like the one zone that I feel like I have more autonomy over, like doing Steps Zen and Redwood stuff. They're awesome. They're like huge teams, but they're not really like my thing. They're like, you know, Tom and Anon's thing. So it's cool to like have your own thing and have quote unquote creative control over. So I just love podcasting and love listening to your podcast. And I think this will be a really fun conversation. A hill to die on, you may say, or a hill to put a flag on, whichever term suits you. My name is uh, Christopher Burns, CEO and co-founder of a company called everfund.co.uk. And we help charities and nonprofits make donating easier through a suite of tools. Magical. Awesome to have you guys on. So PodRocket is a uh, web development podcast brought to you by LogRocket. And we have explored uh, topics outside of web development, but um, we are a web development podcast brought to you by LogRocket kind of in the early stages. I listened to a lot of FS Jam. Um, I remember listening and we were thinking like, could we do this? Is it something that's like, you know, feasible for us? And yeah, I listened to a lot of FS Jam, a lot of syntax, a lot of different podcasts in, in the space. That's cool. Yeah, I realized neither of us actually said what FS Jam is. So FS Jam is about full stack Jamstack. So if you know what Jamstack is, you're like, whoa, it's like Jamstack with the database. Okay. And it started around Redwood JS originally. I kind of had the idea that we would bring on Redwood JS core team members and then Redwood JS contributors and community members, and then we would kind of expand out from there. And immediately we started talking to other people in the community like Brandon from Blitz, who's also been on PodRocket and lots of other people who are doing similar things like the, the Equibine team. We've had a ton of them on. There was just like so much stuff happening in the space. Then we started talking to Prisma and Fauna and people from Amplify. And I just personally wanted to know so much more about these projects and these people. And I started reaching out to people that I was interested in talking to. And it's been kind of like a very curated set of projects, but there's like so much overlap between our guests and PodRocket's guests. You also bring on lots of founders and talk about like business stuff as well. So I think there's just a lot of overlap and anyone who is kind of into one, I feel pretty comfortable recommending the other because if you like one, you'll probably like the other. I still remember the day I kind of coined it. I And obviously by coining it, I think Tom said it once, but he didn't really put the acronym of FS Jam. I was like, I'm going to make a Twitter account and I'm going to start something. And I did. I called it FS Jam. It was pink and white because I was like, what colors do we not see in, in the developer community? I know, pink. That's the perfect color. I started talking to Auntie. Auntie was like, I'm really interested to do something. At this point, we didn't even want to do a podcast. That wasn't the first thing we thought of. We thought of a more like overarching community kind of goals. Have a forum. Do your standard 2010 web things. And there was that thing. Anthony said to me, do you want to do it as a podcast? I was like, yeah, let's give it a go. And we just went from there. And it was such a interesting experience as I've never done a podcast before, but I've always listened to them myself. Anthony's obviously done quite a few. So he's obviously much better in that area. We've just gone on and on and on and we've built from nothing to where we are now. And every episode, I think, has brought something unique to the table and 
to me personally, every time that I think about a challenge that I have to solve now, I think about a lot of time, who have I spoke to on my podcast? What have they been solving? And can I just use their thing instead of building it myself? Totally. I mean, that's that's the goal of this uh, podcast for sure. And then hopefully, you know, people who come on are motivated to keep coming on and share what they're working on. Definitely. Okay, so I want to talk about like the first like beginning of FS Jam. You know, you kind of touched on it. Maybe Anthony, like, had you done other podcasts, you're like, oh, I can do this. Or I guess like what was kind of like, okay, how do I actually, you know, record the audio, that sort of stuff. Yeah, this is where having a music background actually came in really handy because I'm familiar with recording technology in general, just because like I've been in studios for for years and years and years. I have a music degree for people who don't know. I did a podcast with one of my old music professors, Stuart Sims, and it was called the Loose Filter Podcast. And you can still listen to it if you want to. I have like, you know, 20 or 30 episodes I did with him. And that started back in 2015. And it was the same deal where me and Stuart did everything ourselves. So he already had a whole system. He had a, a type pad website, if you know what that is. And they would go up on SoundCloud. And so it was like a really old school kind of podcasting setup. But it was great because you learn the process of recording the episode, editing the episode, and then uploading it, writing show notes, including links all that kind of stuff. And so I did that for many years with him. And then I've also been a guest on many podcasts because I listen to so many podcasts. So as I was coming up in the web development space, I was reaching out to people like Brian Douglas and uh, like Drew McClellan and all these people who have their own podcasts. The real big difference was like, how do you actually host this thing? And that's where we started using Transistor and Transistor is just an amazing podcast hosting platform. I'm pretty sure you all have like your own kind of custom thing that you're doing just through through LogRocket. I'm actually kind of curious to hear about that a little bit. The whole kind of end-to-end process I was already familiar with, so it made it easier. Uh, not really reaching out to guests, that was kind of the one thing, but it's like once you have a platform, like once we had Tom on, I feel like we kind of, it was a lot easier to kind of get other people on. So we could point to like, oh yeah, we had the creator of GitHub on our podcast. So then other people like, okay, it must be a real podcast then. And just like, it it kind of snowballed very quickly once we got a couple kind of key guests on. I was recently catching up with a friend who doesn't really keep up with what I do in the web development life. She's more of a machine learning medical computing i'm like oh did i tell you i have a podcast and i'm like oh really like i was like yeah you'd never guess who's been on so like, what do you who co-founder github she's like github the platform i use every day yeah yeah like he's a nice guy and we speak to him about cool technology and then i'm like but here's everything everyone else but they're almost as important to me because to me like tom yeah He's a name that everybody knows and really helped the podcast get going. Everybody else that has been on since, sometimes I found their conversations have been so much more interesting, different aspects as what they've been built, their different opinions. When we speak to Tom, we all share the same opinion. Like we all really like Redwood and we really like building Redwood and using Redwood. So it all kind of feels the same kind of vibe. But then I think some of the best episodes we've had is when we've had very different opinions or maybe just don't even get it. The more I talk to people, the more they say about our Bitcoin episode. (laughs) I just have to say it because I think it's so so funny because I'll be honest, this is a hundred truth. I hardly listen to the episodes because I can't stand my own voice. And the one I decided to listen to was the Bitcoin one with Noah. And Noah's a really great guy. I really enjoyed having him on. I listened to that episode and I felt like I was hitting myself with a brick over the head. But then every single person I've spoke to about that episode has, has said, you've asked all the questions that I'm just dying to ask, but nobody wants to ask the stupid questions because we're all technology background. We're all developers. Surely we understand the blockchain and the uses of Bitcoin and what it really does and really mean and everything around it. So I like to say Anthony brings the sophisticated questions a lot of the time and I bring the uh, logical, stupid, like dumb questions that someone just really wants to ask. That's great. That's an excellent balance. I'm starting to see it more with podcasts. I just talked to uh, Tracy Lee a couple weeks ago. Um, That episode's going live this week. Her podcast, Modern Dev, just had a couple episodes on blockchain. Yeah, I really liked her, her episode on blockchain. I thought it was really good. She had a similar sentiment that it, it did super well, even though she isn't super familiar with it, but um, it did really well. 
But you already talked a little about the origins of Pod Rocket, but um, is there anything more there you wanted to share in terms of, like whose idea it was, like anything like that? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for asking, Anthony. <laughs> I mean, if you go back in the early episodes, like you can definitely tell that we were learning kind of as we were going. <laughs> um, this time last year, I was actually, we were trying to just see if we could do it. Um, I was actually Googling like how to record audio. <laughs> um, like that is the stage we were at, how to record audio most effectively. We did buy equipment specifically for this podcast and we were just like, could we do it? Our first episode was with Fred Shot on Snowpack. And then we also had like a second segment with Kalen, our front end engineer, and he was talking about Webpack. And so we kind of like jammed those two together. And then I actually edited it in GarageBand myself. It took me like two days <laughs> and um, it was really challenging. But um, then we passed it around, got some, put it on SoundCloud, you know, did some feedback with some listeners. And yeah, people were like, yeah, you know, it's interesting. The biggest feedback was like audio quality couldn't improve, <laughs> which we already knew. And yeah, so that that was kind of like how, how it started. Before that, or like kind of like how the idea came to be was we were kind of experimenting with different types of content. So the Log Rocket blog is very well known if you haven't read it, go check it out. <laughs> Fantastic. The Log Rocket blog is absolutely amazing. It's pretty incredible at Log Rocket. That's definitely like something we're super, super proud of. We were kind of like, okay, we have written content down. What else could we do? Um, we tried YouTube videos, like YouTube tutorials, and we just kind of weren't seeing what we wanted to see, I guess. And so we were like, well, maybe we can try, um, you know, a podcast. And we were actually doing this during the pandemic. So it was, everyone was doing a podcast. So we are like, I guess we can start doing a podcast. So that's kind of, that's how it really kind of started. And now we're at like 60 episodes and we publish uh, twice a week. It's really been fun. And we've really, we've really like scaled production pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous, actually, because you have been like outrunning us in terms of the episode numbers, even though we started a little earlier, you've already gotten more of them because as you say, you do two a week. And I am like such a control freak about like the editing and spend probably like between five and 10 hours editing every episode. So it's like a, a huge time sink for me. And you've brought on like guests that I was already wanting to bring on, but we just like can't get everyone on we want to get on. So it's just like only so much time in the day. It's great that you you have a team that kind of can support you and like help you really scale this. Yeah, so uh, I don't actually edit them anymore. So that helps a lot. We have a great sound engineer. His name's Craig. We give him shout outs all the time on here. Hi, Craig. So he edits, uh, which is super helpful. Because like I said, when I when I edited it in GarageBand, it literally took me like two full days. <laughs> It's the unsung hero of podcasting. It really is. I am very thankful of Anthony doing it because I think if I had to do it, I wouldn't know where to start. The reason I say that is because, yeah, we we actually bought the microphones ourselves. I bought one off Amazon. Uh, I think Anthony did as well. But the one I bought, and this is honest to God, a true mistake that I'm saying on air. And Angie's going to laugh at this. I didn't know that microphones had different directions that you meant to speaking to them. For the first, like, I think we're on like 50 episodes now. Yeah, well, we're on 50 episodes. So I think for the first 40 or like 45, I was speaking into the top of my microphone when I actually needed to be speaking into the side of my microphone. And I just completely didn't notice until this one time I was just playing around with testing the sound and I was listening to it and I stood up by accident. I was like, wait, what? And then it was like, the biggest moment, I was like, why didn't I think of that? Like, of course, it's different. Because I think I got so used to seeing everyone else's microphones with them speaking into the end. That I was just, oh, of course it's like that. Like, of course you do that without realizing that. Obviously, I'm not an audio technical person and each microphone is very different. Kalen, our front end engineer who comes on uh, and hosts, he was actually using it. It was actually backwards. <laughs> So he's talking in the back of the microphone for like a good portion of season one. So you're not alone. Yep. I'm definitely talking to the front. I just had to check. That would have been a second like, oh my gosh moment. Nope. I'm definitely talking into the front and the right side. I can see the logo and I'm pretty sure that's right. Let's talk about, you know, kind of what podcasts influenced us, podcast hosts. We talked, we touched on it. I definitely was influenced by you guys as hosts um, for sure on FS Jam. Obviously, Wes and Scott on uh, Syntax, we just had them on. Um, we kind of talked about, 
you know, their process with syntax. I think you guys, as well as Wes and Scott, you know, both podcasts kind of bring in like your personalities as hosts and, um, you know, you're just so involved in like so many different things that it's really authentic. And I, I think we have a little bit different style, but I think ultimately like what we want is authenticity and we want people, we want curious people to, you know, walk away with entertainment, but also like technical stuff. And I think you guys do a really good job of that. Yeah, you definitely bring your your personalities to it as well. I'm, I'm usually kind of like laughing at some stuff because like you guys have some pretty funny comments as you're you're going, and it's very like true to true to life as someone else who's like a, a technologist. Like, there's so many weird specific things about working in this in this area that once you're in it, you're kind of like in on the joke. <laughs> but um, it's it's really cool to kind of get to get to listen to that kind of stuff. For me, like. Part of why I wanted to start a podcast is because I listened to so many podcasts. Like as I was learning to code in between when I was a music teacher and when I was like an actual dev, like I kind of gave up on music like full stop and just started driving for Uber to like make ends meet. And so I used to listen to about eight hours of podcasts a day just because I was like <laughs> working, driving, and that's just like what what I did. And it was a great way to kind of continue to try and like learn that skill set while like having so little time. And so I'm like so thankful for podcasts for existing period and software engineering daily was was really a big one for me and Jeff Meyerson who for anyone who is following him may know he's been kind of having like a rough time lately but he's on the on the mend now for for anyone who's who's curious and that show is just like so pivotal for me it's been around for six years has close to 2,000 episodes now I would guess it's to me there's nothing else even comes close to it so Huge respect for Jeff and everything he's built. And then the devchat.tv empire that Chuck has built. He has like 10 shows, Jobs for Jabber, React Roundup, Views on View, a whole set of others. They're great. They have a panel as well. And what I enjoy about FS Jam and PodRocket as well is you have multiple hosts. So it's not quite a panel, but you still have like guests who come on, but you have more than one host just asking questions. So it's hard to keep the variety going and make sure you ask all the questions you need to ask with just one person. They have to really do their research well, but if you can kind of split the difference and have a couple people asking questions, you can usually cover a wider sphere of important stuff. And then uh, React Podcast, Michael Chan, who I'm now good friends with, is another pivotal one for me and that I've listened to a lot and just love his style and love how much he just like is able to get into like the the psychology of his guests and like really kind of get the, the interesting questions out of them and, and being able to like speak to them and bring out, you know, what you really want to know about them. Cause you know, some people are kind of closed off, especially if they're like, you know, kind of dev people and maybe kind of hard to get them comfortable. So that's actually a really important part of this process as well, making sure they're comfortable enough to like speak freely. And then that can be a hard thing to do as well. Anthony, your story has been so incredible how far you've came from even the start of doing FS Jam. As you just said, you you were doing Uber at the time, listening to so many podcasts. You don't have a university degree like I do or been doing it as long, but the amount of knowledge and wealth, as in knowledge wealth, not wealth wealth, uh, you have gained. Like you can say things that even I don't even know. I'm like, why do I not know this? Yeah, you can just say what the theory is or the paradox is or the like math things. And it's because you're 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 like a knowledge sponge when I'm more like a knowledge drain, like a tap. I, I think it's so, so cool to to think that, as you said, everything you've done, every podcast you've done, every article you have wrote, took you a step-by-step step further into the role and position you are today. I think the reason I started doing things with Anthony in the first place was because the articles he was writing were pretty rad, even back then. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. I know. I was going to say, like, when we first interviewed you, Anthony, and I was doing some research and you were like, yeah, I was working, you know, I was in the code boot camp. And then um, I just like joined these communities and just started doing documentation and just got involved. I did a code boot camp. Honestly, like it didn't even cross my mind to just like go start doing stuff like it like, did not even. But so I think getting your story out there about, you know, just getting involved is uh, is really cool. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard to when you're in that position, you're still learning and you don't even understand the tech yet. Like having that foresight to like go out into a community and start meeting people and networking, like it's, it's so daunting and there's so much happening. You can't even know where to go. So this is where listening to the podcasts came in really, really handy because I already knew what Redwood was because I heard Tom give five podcast interviews about it, you know? So that's why I'm always so excited about giving back 
and by putting these episodes out into the world. So like someone might listen to an FSJM episode and like learn about a project that they want to get involved in. I think that is like so important to put this content out into the world for other people who are looking for their niche to find. You can say me and Anthony came together from a podcast because I too listened to Tom talking about Redwood JS on a podcast and was like, this is pretty good. I should learn some more. And obviously we both joined the Redwood community at pretty much the same time. It just went from there, to be fair. I still use Redwood. Anthony still works with Redwood. And the podcast is on Strength to Strength. My podcast that I listen to, well, I've got an interesting few. I'll say this because one, I'm a founder. The first one I would say is called Build Your SaaS. And it's by the Transistor guys, Justin and John. And they talk about how they've built their SaaS product, how they've bootstrapped it, a lot of it. It's a lot more about the theory of doing it, the emotion of building it, than this is what technology we've used. Because they've used completely different technology stacks to us and at Everfund. And everything they say, I still relate to. So it's a lot more of a emotional connection as a podcast for me. And then my favorite podcast ever is ATP.FM by Marco Arment, John Syracuse, and Casey Liss. Um, it's an Apple podcast. I've literally listened to it religiously for like three years, I think. Every episode listened to, and they just talk about Apple. I would say I'm an Apple fan, but I, I more listen to it for their connection and their banter and what they speak about than actually the products, if that makes sense. And my final one, that this was when I knew I liked podcasting before podcasting, The WAN Show by Linus Media Group. Uh, that's been going on for like so many years, like five, six years. And this was when I was back in university because they were on Canadian time and they live streamed it. It's, more, it, it's always been a video kind of podcast, but they do release it as a podcast. I've always watched it live, talking about the latest technology, talking about their thoughts on it and how how everything goes about it and all three of them are not actually javascript related i've hardly ever listened to javascript podcasts why i think it's because i work on it every day that i think listening to it as well would annoy the hell out of me because i'm like i already know this this makes me want to cry i dealt with this problem at work and now i'm going to listen to a podcast about it or i am dyslexic and sometimes when the, when I, I try to listen to podcasts while I'm coding and sometimes they say pseudocode and I'll start writing their pseudocode by mistake. And it's like, wait, no, I'm trying to do my thing. I too have had that. Uh, you're, you're like um, like listening to music and then you're like typing lyrics. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. So uh, we talked a little bit about community, building a community. Um, Redwood Jazz, I think, does a great job. What are you guys doing kind of with FSGM community or you know any communities that you're involved in? I think we're not very good at community building. We have a Discord that is completely dead and is just kind of there to like post episode updates. I would really like to invest more in the FSGM Discord. It's just hard because I'm already, I'm already doing like a million things, so I really can't put more on my plate at this point. So it's hard to kind of like think of, you know, like a quote unquote strategy for, for our Discord. So it's just kind of there. People people join. Hopefully it's nice to get a kind of bump from that. And if you're not like on Twitter, it's a good way to keep up with new episodes and stuff like that. So that's kind of the extent of it right now. I think one day I may like try and dig into that more, but unfortunately I just don't really have the, the time for it, you know? I, I think I think talking about, you know, how full is your play is a really big thing because obviously so many times we have spoke to each other and said, okay, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do this. And obviously Anthony is a developer advocate for Steps End. I'm running my own company and you just get so lost in your work that you think, oh, I needed to post that episode. Like we've been putting all of the episodes on YouTube that literally every single episode is lined up to be put on YouTube. And we said to each other, uh, this is really recent. Okay, we'll release them daily. Uh, so that's just me going on at 5 p.m. each day and clicking like publish. And it was just too much because I've been so busy doing everything else, you know, chucking water on fire sometimes. Yeah, you said you were going to release it daily. I said, why do you want to do them daily? You're not going to be able to keep up with that. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe in the next week, there's probably going to be a massive dump that's just like, here's all of them. Because surprisingly, people do listen to them for YouTube as well. They're not video, just the audio. But it's that thing, It's to me, it's just 
making the podcast accessible wherever it is. I think YouTube's actually a really interesting medium for podcasts because some podcasts choose to only put up like the clips, like say the highlights of the episodes when others put on the full episode. I don't know which one's better, but I feel like some people have their choices. It's important to also point out that YouTube transcribes and then SEOs your episodes. That's why uploading something to YouTube can actually be super interesting because it makes it more searchable in a way that like podcasts is this huge open dead zone of content that doesn't get indexed in the same way. So this is one of the reasons you want to put your shows on YouTube just because it will transcribe it automatically and then put it out there. And like the, that's actually something I was curious about with Podrock because you guys do transcripts. So how does that work exactly? You have an actual person sit down and write them. So, uh, we use Rev for our transcripts. So we just use upload the file and then they do it for you. So they probably, so, so they do everything. So they, they probably have their own process where they will auto transcribe it and then have a person go over it. That's, that's pretty much the only way. There's still no software as far as I know that can actually transcribe technical content correctly without a person going over it. Yes. And you actually can do the, just like automated and then, uh, or you can do automated and have someone go over it for you. And cause like words like sequel or, you know, like kind of like the tech words that like grammatically it's correct, but, uh, you, within it's a company or a brand, it's not correct. That stuff. Yeah, definitely. gets, gets tricky. And then do you all have a community around, like you have a lot of rocket community, I'm assuming. So you probably kind of feed that all into there. So we actually, yeah, we don't have a Discord or forum for the podcast specifically. Me, I'm trying to make sure, you know, I'm, I'm constantly checking Twitter. I'm not really posting on Twitter unless it's our episodes, but I'm definitely checking Twitter a lot and, you know, looking at web dev stuff. I mean, we really just rely on like our guests to like share and share all the episodes. Definitely something we probably could be doing more of for PodRocket specifically, but... Um, but is there a lot of Rocket community though is what I'm curious about? We don't have a Discord for LogRocket either. Uh, a lot of our community actually, I mean, really is like the blog. We encourage everyone to like comment in you know the blog posts and um, this community really like is very vocal. So like if there's uh, people are curious about something more on a blog or, you know, curious about something um, or they're like, hey, you know, this, I tried this and it didn't work. <laughs> everyone really is uh, super um, active, I think, in our in our blog comments. Well, I would hang out in a LogRocket Discord if you ever make one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We've talked about it. Um, but yeah. And I actually talked about this with uh, B Dougie on our episode. And actually, I think, unfortunately, I don't think we were recording when I talked about it with him, but um, he kind of said the same thing. Like he's like, you know, everyone just has a discord. That's just like a ghost town just sitting there. And um, uh, that's like a really big thing, uh, a really big need in like communities right now. I watched him build up open sauce over this last year. That was one of the first discords I ever joined. And it was a, a ghost town for, for many months and it's, it's not anymore. And there's like, you can't point to a thing that he did that made it not like it's a, it's a whole holistic process of like always bringing yourself to it and just engaging with the people who do show up. And then out of that whole set of people who show up, a small subset of them continue to stick around and it's, um, it's, it's so hard to like make a quote unquote strategy around this stuff. Like it's partly just about being genuine and just showing up and, and doing the work, you know? Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like tough to have, you know, metrics around it. Like you said, strategy, you know, um, plan, anything like that. So, um, uh, but I, I, I do think, you know, we're seeing more and more of it. I think um, since I started working at LogRocket, which is uh, over three years ago, I think, you know, you see more people starting communities and you see more like titles of like community manager, community management, um, that sort of thing. Yeah, this next one I'm really curious to get into because we're going to talk about like how do we prepare for episodes. And I remember when I was on your show, I said you were the most prepared person I've ever seen on a, on a podcast in terms of like getting an outline and asking questions and pulling together material. This is where I know our shows are polar opposite. This is not advice I would necessarily give to a podcaster, but me and Chris show up totally blank. We never have an outline. We, we show up and me and him know the type of stuff we want to ask and we know the general outline of things we want to get into, but we have never written an outline for, for a show and you have very thorough outlines for your show. So this is like a big difference between how we approach these things. I honestly think it's crazy. Not that you've got an outline. No, no, that's pretty cool. I mean that... Me, me and Anthony, one of us is normally more knowledgeable in the subject area than the other one. So we normally, you know, just let whoever knows more play it. 
But then it tends to be this point of whoever knows more, it's like, what are they going to do? Are they, are they going to advocate it or are they going to grill it? Because it normally goes one way or the other. You know, I like to say, I like to grill even the, the things I know because sometimes I feel you can be, yeah, you can be fluffy duffy and, you know, ask the easy questions. But recently we was on a podcast with Aldo who's building Lamb Dragon. And, and he was like, before the podcast, he went, ask me the tough questions. I was like, are you sure you want the tough questions? Because I'll ask the really tough questions. And I did. And he was like, like, yeah, it kind of sounds like a grilling to a certain extent, but it's only because I, it's kind of the critical questions that I think sometimes people want to hear. In terms of planning these questions, a lot of them just come to my head while I'm listening to the conversation. Uh, normally, both of us have 100% at least read like either the documentation, the website. Or even have been building with it for like, you know, months or even year at a time. So that's the thing is we tend to bring on projects that like we are already personally invested in. And so we have this huge backlog of knowledge about a thing already just because we use it. We use it day to day, you know, and that's why we bring the people on to talk to them about it. So we have questions that only come through the experience of working with the technology. Totally. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, I think that's why, you know, you're able to like just jump into a podcast and talk about it because you are like in it and use it. Um, and I think like I'm, just kind of a really prepared person anyway. But I think I just want to make sure that, you know, we're asking like what people want to know about it. And so I do a ton of research actually before each guest. And there's some that like, like some do more research than others, but um, I'm usually like reading documentation about whatever they want to talk about. Um, I'm listening to stuff, the podcast that they've done before. And like, I also want to make sure that we're not asking like the same questions over and over again, even though there's like kind of general questions you have to ask like you know tell me about this thing and like how it technically works i just kind of want to make sure that we're not like tell me more about you know this thing that you've talked about a hundred times and you know west boss was just on and he was saying like he's told his you know coding story a hundred times and um while he'll you know he'll tweet tweet it out whatever episode asks him he's not sure if people still want to kind of keep listening to that so well, that's an interesting one, though, because, like, we had Sebastian Lorber on recently from DocuSource, and when we asked him, like, his getting started coding story, he said no one had ever asked him that before. Oh, interesting. And it was, like, the first time he'd ever had the chance to tell us. So that's why we we kind of bake that into the point where almost every guest, we have them tell their getting started story because we have people who have never done a podcast before. And I, I reach out to people specifically who I know are doing good work and who may not be, quote-unquote, podcast people because I know that they have an hour's worth of things to say, like regardless of whether they've done a podcast or not. And those are the people where you want to make sure you give them the space to tell their story because they have literally never told it before in a public forum. Totally. Yeah. And I, I, we talk about this in the podcast too, kind of like, it seems like there's dev advocates. There's kind of like a group of people who like, they've been on like 10 podcasts, you know? So it is great to like also reach out to people who, you know, haven't been on as many podcasts and hear their stories as well. I think it's, it's really all about, you know, kind of what you want to get out of each episode and, you know, who you're, who you're talking to, what they're excited about. That's a huge factor also too, of like the outcomes of our podcast. I think personally, some, some of my favorite episodes of FS Jam have actually been the products that I've used every day. One of the ones that comes up to the top of my head is react query the tan stack i was gonna say his name and I, and I was like i know his name i'm going to say it and then my head went don't mess it up <laughs> tanner lindsley tanner lindsley was on uh pod rocket as well actually to talk about the tan stack yeah 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 this was something i used every day and obviously anthony had looked at never read never really used properly i was so enthusiastic for that episode loved every second of it and then there's some of them that completely surprise me with their guests, uh, like Peter Cooper, really interesting uh, guy, runs half of the, the network of newsletters. It's just such an interesting story that you wouldn't know if you didn't interview these people. And he had never done a podcast before, but he runs half the, the, the newsletters on the internet. That's not true. He definitely done podcasts before. He was on um, Screaming in the Cloud with uh, Corey Quinn just like a month before we interviewed him. There you go. Don't trust me as facts. Opinions. I would love to have him on. Yeah. That was a great episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. 
one of the cool things that I enjoy about doing this is you get to see trends like, and for us, we're mostly interviewing people who are working on dev tools and <laughs> Swix put out a, a tweet recently saying that like you like fart on a dev tools company, you get $5 million or something like that. I don't remember exactly what he said, but <laughs> it was just like dev tools is just blowing up right now. We bring on so many dev tools companies. So that's really the, the big trend I see and just like, developer advocates and content creators are kind of driving this in a lot of ways. So I see them as kind of like, there's this term thought leader and then influencers. I prefer to call myself a thought fluencer personally. And so this is where I think you have a huge intersection of new things, people who want to know about the new things and like how they can kind of work with each other. So that's mostly like the trend I see from FS Jam, but I'd be curious kind of what trends you see having done Podrocket now for close to a year. Definitely, we've seen that too, like dev tools. We talk to a lot of people like in open source. Uh, I think, you know, kind of the biggest trend is like talking a lot about like tools that are like the performance of tools, I think is definitely what we've been talking about a lot. It's interesting. I think some of our most popular episodes were like kind of unexpected. I think talked about this a little bit, but um, our Rust episode actually did really well. People love Rust. People really love Rust. So that was cool to see. Um, Solid.js, uh, we just had Ryan on pretty recently. So um, yeah, we got Ryan coming up. I listened to that episode and immediately reached out to him and said, we need to get you on the podcast. <laughs> it was kind of like good timing, I think. Because um, actually, even we just had Rich Harris on and he was like, oh, yeah, I saw you guys had um, Ryan on. <laughs> so like, I, I don't know if he listened to it, but I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I think I think kind of tools that are, I don't know, not different, but different, but the same, I guess. <laughs> um, a lot of what Ryan talked about was pulling stuff from other, you know, what he, he pulled basically what he liked from other frameworks. And I think people kind of like to hear if you have something that works for you and it's cool. Like people like to hear kind of like why and you know, what, what parts are you pulling from? Like, you know, where did you get that idea? Um, what trends are you seeing, Chris? What trends am I seeing? That's a really good question because I'm a very shiny person as in, I like shiny objects, something interesting. I love the risky ones with less than a hundred stars on GitHub. They really get me going half the time. Um, you know, like, what is this that I've just found on GitHub? Uh, with less than 100 stars, yes, let's use it in production. That's what I like to hear, only if it's useful. I don't just stick anything in, in uh, production, just to say. I think the biggest trends that I see is that there's a lot of things that have exponentially grown and became so much easier for developers to just abstract away. For example, we're seeing a dev tool for everything from like literally your VS code to, you know, production. There's now a dev tool for every single action that you can probably take in development. There's a dev tool that will try and automate that in some way and make it easier for you or do some things, you know, from your VS code, it's now code sandbox, git pod to literally production that's Bursal. And I still think there's so much room to go in terms of actually what's actually, I think the most useful out of all of it. It's focusing less on the things that don't matter necessarily to you as the developer. The, the example I like to do is really bring up Stripe in this area because Stripe are like known as this five lines of code to create a billing app, right? But it's not actually five lines of code. It's, it's five lines of code to take a payment, but to actually like build the infrastructure is like, I want to view my invoices. I want to sort out my refunds. I want to do all these other things. They've spent a lot of money on that with Stripe Checkout. But half the time, I would just say, go use Chargebee or Billflow because, you know, it's three lines of code that you actually add to your app and it's completely done for you. Some developers probably would say, well, I want to spend £2,000 on writing all of that myself. But one of the biggest things that were actually brought up recently in a meeting I was in was a different startup that I've spent thousands of pounds on doing it the AWS way and two people have probably actually used it, you know, instead of just doing the, the, the cheaper way, the faster way, because, you know, it's that thing. There's so much work to actually build a payment platform and 
what's the point in building it if nobody's going to use it? So you should just use a service that has a free tier to just get going. And it's like that for me with 90% of the dev tools. Anthony knows because Anthony laughs at this. But if it's a tool that's going to save me time or money or even responsibility, as in like I can just offload it to them, I'll probably use it because I've got a lot to do. So the less I can do, the better. And that's why I love dev tools. And that's where it's great having you as like an advocate for other people who are trying to build things is you're like, I'm trying to do something real here. Like I got a company, like we're trying to make money. Like you get, you have real actual actionable goals you're going for. And that's why you ask the pointed questions. Like you're able to say, you know, I don't care how quote unquote cool or hip this thing is. Like, does it solve a problem? And then does it solve my problem <laughs> specifically? And so having that kind of like pointed question at, whatever your use case is, it really helps focus the conversation. It's one of the things I really appreciate about having you on the podcast. And I think it's that thing that devs, we love to say, we've rewrote it 20 times to be as small and as fast and as everything is possible with no new functionality. Yeah, it's probably the same the first time. And the first time would probably make you money. And the amount of enterprise apps that I've seen recently that I just like, as I say, oh my gosh, why are people using Bootstrap and jQuery in 2021? Like, oh my, this makes me seriously want to be sick. But they make tons of money. Why? Because they don't care about the technology. They just care about fixing and solving the use cases. And I think that's really important in every episode that we speak to. Because when you're a developer and you have to make these decisions, you know, what tools to use, how you're going to solve a problem, a lot of the time, you have to explain why you've chosen them choices to management or your boss or, you know, your other co-founders in a startup of these are the choices I'm making. Yes, I, and I tend to find it's, it's best to be as transparent as possible saying, I don't know that area, but this is what I've listened to. This is what I know. It's easier to probably trust that company and just pay their bill than go make it myself. And I think that's a big thing in developer tools right now is the lowering and lowering and lowering the barrier to entry to the point that anybody can get 90% of a SaaS startup made without using actually their own logic for most of it. Okay. Do we want to talk, do we want to jump into um, 2022 trends? Yeah. What is the future of our podcasts, podcasts in general? I see so many companies now making podcasts. You mentioned here, Enhost has one coming up, which I didn't know actually. I follow Enhost, so that's that's really cool. I'll definitely have to listen to that. Like I see um a lot of blockchain companies, they have their own podcasts as well. And so I think people see it as a useful medium, but it's hard to have a strategy around going back to like our previous conversation about building community and stuff like that. So I think that in general, most people know that it's a good medium, but it's hard to see the ROI on it unless you kind of are just like following people who are listening to it and seeing that engagement. So I'd be curious, like, how do you guys think about like ROI and like what you're kind of getting out of PodRocket in general? So it's definitely tough to measure. Metrics for podcasts are not super clear, which makes sense because like you download it and then we lose track of it. We're more thinking of just the podcast kind of exists because, you know, our blog is something that we're so proud of and it's so huge and it's now such a big part of like our company we're kind of you know just more like basically just building a brand you know being something that you know people can rely on being a resource for all developers so it's not really super quantified right now but um it's more uh more brand building it's also about building relationships i know for me the network i've built through our podcast guests is the strongest network I, I have and, and just being able to reach out to these different people and get them on and get to showcase their stuff and then make sure the episode is good and goes out and 
represents them in a good way. Like you get so much goodwill back from that and you get to build so many connections and relationships with people through doing it. So for me, that, that's really where I see the, the ROI and the return on investment. It's hard because it's a, a long term play. It's a, it's an infinite game, not a finite game. If you're, if you're into that nomenclature. So to me, podcasting is just, it's the ultimate infinite game. You know, it's a really fun way to just get people together and talking and then also having a really cool thing to put out into the world after the fact. I think the biggest like ROI for me is when someone literally says, I've listened to these episodes. I've, I get that, that joke. I get that reference. Or when someone recommends it to somebody else, it's just like, people are actually listening to this. And I still find that crazy because yeah, I can see the statistics saying people are listening to this, but it's so different to see a number saying, this is how many downloads you have to I'm a person and I'm recommending this to somebody else. It just is mind blowing to me as in people actually want to listen to these things. People actually enjoy listening to these things and people actually learn things from these things is incredible. Do you guys get a lot of responses on Twitter, like from your FS Jam account? Not a lot on Twitter. I find that mostly people who are into the show tend to reach out directly through like private channels and will like let me know that like, hey, like I really enjoy your podcast. I really enjoy listening to it. We've had a couple people tweet about it over the the year or so, but it's also because I hang out in so many discords. So I'm always like blasting it out to kind of the communities I'm in anyway. And I've like built up fans through like the React Podcast Discord or Open Sauce or the Redwood Discord. And people seem to really appreciate it and just like getting to be a fly on the wall for the conversations that we have. So again, it's really hard to measure, but... I've gotten enough kind of face-to-face communication with people just saying like, hey, like I love your podcast. That really keeps me going. Yeah, I was just asking because we actually, we don't get a ton of engagement with uh, our PodRocket Twitter account, but people will like tweet at me or Brian or Ben directly, which makes sense. I mean, it totally makes sense. I, I think the biggest question that's always on people's minds is when they recommend it. It's like, who's your favorite host? What's your favorite episode? What's your favorite part? Just tell me. Because obviously we see statistics saying like, this was the most downloaded episode. But what was their favorite episode? What was that moment where they was like, I actually quite enjoy this, you know? Was it on the first episode? Was it on the 10th episode where they're like, I'm going to keep listening to this? You know, what hooked them? What was their first episode? All that stuff I think is so, so interesting. Anything in terms of analytics does not cover right now, you know? You can't tell what someone's first episode was or their favorite episode. To be fair, if you don't know podcasting, you can't even really tell how many subscribers you have. It's an estimate. You know, they say, well, we're taking the averages of your last three downloads and that's how many subscribers you have. But it's such a like opaque industry, but it's always because it's been that bootstrapper industry and people like Spotify come along saying, we're going to dominate it. And they're not in my eyes. Well, it's because it's decentralized. It's an actual decentralized medium where you put your thing out on RSS feed, people choose to download it or they don't. And that's the only metric you get is how many downloads you get into these random podcast players that are out into the world. That's what makes podcasts such a weird, interesting medium. It actually takes the fundamentals of the web and puts them to an audio medium. So you don't get good metrics on purpose (laughs) because the thing is actually decentralized. So easy to to understand, right? It's just a decentralized network where each player is for themselves. It's just like a blockchain. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say with uh, Nhost, I just saw that they. I think they have one episode out, which I and I just took notice. But I know that they they just came on and they were on for. Um, I don't think they were on for a Founder Friday segment, but um, they're pretty small in size. No, I think you had you had Johan on, yeah. I think for for Founder Friday, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And usually like our founder Friday segments are usually the companies are quite small. So, you know, creating a podcast at that size is exciting. And I know like when I was hired on uh, LogRocket, the company was pretty small and I started on our blog. It was exciting for me to say like, oh, a company this size is prioritizing content. And now specifically a company is prioritizing um, specifically like a podcast, you know, which is, I think it's, that's super exciting. I'll have to get on that one. I'll have to reach out to him. I, I talked to Johan a, a little bit. Like Enhost, they have a whole Redwood integration. They're like, you know, a GraphQL company. So obviously I'm aware of them and big fans of what they do. You'll have to um, be a guest on there. <laughs> the open source Firebase alternative. Where have I heard that term? 
but with GraphQL. Oh. Open source farm is alternative with GraphQL. That's what makes them different from Superbase. Superbase doesn't have GraphQL built in. Well, this is the thing about all these taglines. Every product, every dev tool, the amount of time that's probably spent working out how to put what you do actually simply is such a hard thing. Like, oh, uh, this is React. Yeah, but what kind of React? There's 20 kinds of React. Oh, uh, it's static site Reacts. Uh, okay, the best static site generator in React, it's Gatsby. Because you get a single sentence. You get one sentence to explain your thing. And they're like, if, I, if you can't explain it in one sentence, why should I even care? Exactly. Why should I care? Why should I do this? And the best thing, and I think this is a trend I think we'll continue to see into 2022, 2023, is more open source companies where their main, a lot of their main product and ISP is already open source. And then they tend to close source a cloud version. I think we'll see that a lot more going forward. And I think it will just continue to grow. But personally, I do have some ethical questions to these things where open source is this really great thing and anyone can contribute. But if this thing's going to make money, shouldn't, you know, the people that are contributing get paid? And there's a lot of them services just coming around that I think are really going to take off because if it is a true open source alternative to X, then surely, you know, you shouldn't put a pull request in unless you're going to get paid for it because the owners of it are probably going to be paid for it. But that's my personal two cents on this kind of open source software. We've had a couple guests, seems like the last couple episodes have been kind of open, that open source model of open sourcing something and then having the cloud version or some other paid solutions as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kate, for, for doing this with us. I, I really appreciate getting to chat about this stuff. So and thank you for being such a huge supporter of FS Jam. I've been a huge supporter of Pod Rocket. So it's really cool to get to kind of collaborate on some of this stuff. This is really fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks for, um, again, yeah, this was your idea. So thanks for um, putting it out there and, uh, you know, we'll have to do this more often. Maybe we can make an annual thing, hey? FS Jam is probably going to have another annual episode near the end of the year. We definitely should and we definitely could. The roundup of SF Jam of 2021 because I remember this episode and we said what's going to happen in the next year and everyone said everyone had their opinions, their own secret flavor of where it's going and I think with specifically with FS Jam we're really going to see if they've hit their goals, they're still working towards their goals and What's going to happen next? What are they moved on to? I think it's going to be a super, super interesting area to catch up with people that have already been on the show before. What's 2022 for FS Jam? Probably more podcasts with people that have been on before. Wouldn't you say, Anthony? Oh, yeah, definitely. Almost everyone we've had on could come back and do a follow-up episode because everyone who we've had on is like, continuing to do interesting stuff. Definitely. Yeah, new versions. Always. Yeah, you can always talk about those. <laughs> Great. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, guys. And um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm going to stop recording.